Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development program that changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to message number seven in this series, The Spirit and the Power. Now, you you notice that I am stretching this series out because I am trying to get you as much as I can possibly get to you because this is so incredibly important. Now, I've said this to you before, but if you are praying for a revival, if you are praying for a move of God, then one of the one of the things you have to make up your mind right away is that you're gonna that you're gonna discover and understand how the Holy Spirit works because any move of God's a move of the Spirit. Anything that happens on planet Earth happens on planet Earth because people yield to the Holy Spirit. And if we're not ready to yield the Holy Spirit and we're wasting our time praying for to have another great revival or another great outpouring of God in the earth. So these are so crucial because I am telling you, there will be another great outpouring of the Holy Spirit in planet Earth, but this will be unlike anything we've ever seen, unlike anything we've ever experienced. It will be greater. There will be more manifestations of power than anything that we've ever seen because light and darkness are polarizing. Evil is getting more evil, and the children of God are opening their hearts up to God to have more truth in their in their hearts and in their life and more power so man you will know everything you know about the holy spirit so today is incredibly important i mean of all the messages i've preached to you about the holy spirit this is going to be probably the most important of all of them and this message is is titled nothing has dominion over you now that is so crucially important i'm going to fly through some scriptures here you're going to have to go back and do a whole lot of research because you'll never, ever be able to take notes on all of this or catch all of it as we go through it. I'm going to start just about reading you some scriptures. In John 14, 12, one of my very favorite scriptures about uh, the power of God working in us, Jesus said, now, Jesus said this. So if we discount this, if we minimize it, then we are calling Jesus a liar. We're rejecting his truth for us. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes, on me, the works that I do, he will do also in greater works than these because I go to my father. Now, I'm telling you, you can dance around that all you want to, but those works that he is talking about, those are miracles, signs, wonders, healings, uh, everything that he did because we he went to the father and poured out for us the exact same Holy Spirit that works in him and through him because it's the Holy Spirit that did the works. It wasn't him. He exercised his authority as the Son of Man, which is the exact same authority we have, and the exact same Holy Spirit that showed up when he exercised authority shows up when we exercise authority. I'm just going to read a couple more of this. Remember, uh, in the book of Luke, in the 10th chapter, Jesus, and this was before anybody was born, nobody was born again, nobody was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit just worked with them and the words that they spoke. But uh, he, sent, uh, he, he sent the disciples out and told them to go you know, preach the gospel. And then you know, they came back and said, man, we saw, you know, even the demons were subject to us. 
And he says in verse 20, nevertheless, he said, don't rejoice at this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. But the point is, they weren't, they weren't born again. They weren't filled with the spirit. They weren't baptized in the Holy Spirit. They just went out and preached the truth, just like Jesus did. And the Holy Spirit manifested that truth. That is one of the primary jobs of the Holy Spirit, to manifest, to make it become visible, to make it become real in this dimension. Um, in uh, Matthew chapter 8, verse 16, it says, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So, so again, here Jesus is healing. He's doing all these things. And the point is, we actually have the opportunity to uh, do all of these same, work, same works if we're willing to believe it and if we're willing to go out here and, and, and preach the gospel and, and, and put it into practice. Mark 16 is just one of those scriptures that people have debated over forever. But the real truth is, uh, these are the words of Jesus, and they are sound, and the reason people debate over them, well, I'll tell you what, Jesus talks about it right here, it says, in Luke 16, 14, it says, later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked them because of unbelief and hardness of heart, because uh, they did not believe those who had seen him after he was risen. I got, I got news for you. Those of us who argue against Mark, these verses in Mark, and try to say, oh, well, they're not in the oldest manuscript or something like that. I got news for you. We got the same problem those early disciples had, uh, unbelief and hardness of heart. We are afraid to admit scriptures like this are true because we just don't believe uh, that we would ever be able to do them, to walk in them, to manifest them in our lives. But he goes on to say this. He says, he who believes and is baptized will be saved but he who does not believe will be condemned. You notice it didn't say anything about baptism having anything to do with, with condemnation. Baptism is for believers. It's not for infants. It's not for children. It's not for joining a church. It is for people who are believers, and they are laying their old life down and taking up a whole new life in Jesus. But anyhow, verse 17, he goes ahead and says, and these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, these are not things that you do where you go out and put it to the test and say, okay, I'm going to pick up a snake and see what happens. No, Jesus, he never tested God. He never tempted or tested God by trying to put these things into practice. That's one of the things that Satan tried to get him to do is, you know, prove you're the son of God by turning some stones into bread. Uh, he didn't do it. And, and this ver these verses are not telling us to go out and tip God and try to prove these things. It's just saying in situations where these occur, if we believe these will be the signs that will follow. So we are called to do what Jesus did. And one of the things that Jesus did fearlessly and unashamedly, he was never intimidated by a demon. He was never intimidated by Satan. I tell you, when he was over there and um, talking to the disciples about binding and loosing, he was right at the foot of Mount Hermon, one of the most uh, concentrated uh, altars dedicated to Baal and demon worship 
anywhere in the world at that time. He was fearless in all of those situations. Now, one of the reasons he was fearless was because he knew that Satan had absolutely no authority over him. Now, authority means the right to do something. Now, and of course, you know, we've read this scripture, and I'm, I'm reading it again. In Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make man our own image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion. So if we are, if, if Satan is able to have dominion over us, then he can have dominion over God, because we're created in the likeness and image of God. But Satan doesn't have dominion over us, but our struggle is with unbelief. You know, the first time I ever took anybody through deliverance, man, I'm telling you what's the truth. Uh, you know, this 50 years ago, and this was back when all the hippies in town knew me. I was a local musician, drug dealer, and all that kind of stuff. So everybody knew me. And then when I got saved, it kind of rocked the south. You know what I'm saying? People just could not believe because, you know, they, matter of fact, after I got saved, Christians even told me, they said, I was afraid to ever tell you about Jesus. I was afraid you were such a scary guy. And so, uh, and so everybody knew me. And so when anything would happen in the hippie group that was weird or spiritual or whatever, they called me. They would come to my house. And man, I tell you, I remember the very first time they brought somebody to me. And I'm telling you, this was not like a little show that people put on at the altar call in a charismatic church. I mean, this was full-fledged demon possession for real. And you know what? I'm telling you, I had a moment. Of, of being intimidated. I had a moment. I mean, I mean, I saw a manifestation. I saw this person go through a physiological transformation of evil. I, and it looked like something you would see in a horror movie. And, um, and so, you know, I thought, okay, I, I don't know what to do. I, I hadn't even saved long, but I thought, I know what Jesus did. Jesus commanded these demons to come out. And so I looked at him. I said, in the name of Jesus, you come out of him. And I'll tell you, this deep, creepy, godless voice that sent a chill up my spine says, I'm not coming out and you can't make me. And I'm telling you, again, it, that voice, it sounded like it had been, you know, processed through some kind of voice distortion type program. I'm like, oh, no. You know, uh, what I do now, and I thought, well, you know what? Jesus didn't put up with this. He didn't let demons talk back to him. I thought, I'm just going to do what Jesus did. And that's exactly what I did. I said, no, yes, you are. You are coming out. Now, I got to tell you something. It can be a scary thing to be in that kind of situation. And if we let fear and unbelief uh, rule over us, then when the devil lies, we'll believe those lies. You know, I've heard a lot of people talk about the fact that whenever Jesus was tempted and Satan said, look, uh, and he took him up the top temple and showed him all these kingdoms. He said, look, all these belong to me, and I'll give them to you. I've heard a lot of preachers say, see, Jesus didn't argue with him over the fact that they belonged to him, so they obviously did belong to him. No, he's the father of lies. Those kingdoms did not belong to him. He might have ruled over the people that was in, them, in those kingdoms because of what uh, the fear and unbelief that was in their heart, but he did not rule over those kingdoms. Jesus didn't argue with him because there was nothing to argue about. He just spoke the word of God to him, took authority over him. And that, that's exactly what we should do in every situation. Now, I'm not going to recap this, but if you've listened to these other messages, you know that if you're creating the likeness of God, you are sovereign. And if you are sovereign, the word sovereign doesn't mean you do anything you want to do. The word sovereign doesn't mean you control it and control everything. The word sovereign means 
you are you can't be acted upon by an outside force that would make you be able to do anything. God is sovereign. The devil's never made him do anything. Man has never made him do anything. Our prayers don't even change his mind. You can't change God's mind. And so, you know, a whole lot of how we pray to try to change God's mind, not very biblical. But I want to jump down here to something and just show you this. But we have to review this whole thing about, uh, about our dominion, about our sovereignty, about our authority. Uh, the Colossian church was like many of the churches uh, that the Apostle Paul, John, and other people wrote letters to, and they were being inundated with Gnosticism. Gnosticism is a mysticism, it's, a, it's mysticism, it's Jewish legalism, it's a combination of a, a whole lot of mess, and, you know, they don't ever totally deny Jesus, they just deny that Jesus is who he said he was, and so in the Gnostic church, because, because it was a mixture of this Jewish legalism and, and mysticism, they believed that if you if sinned or did something wrong or failed in any way that you opened the door to the devil and gave him the right or the authority to attack you. Hey, listen, that's what almost every charismatic and word of faith person in the world believes today. They didn't get that out of the Bible. You can't find that in the Bible because it is not in the Bible. Uh, it's not what we do that would give a demon authority or over us. It's whether or not they could disrupt Jesus' authority because we are in him. We have his authority, not just, not just the authority of a man. We have the authority of Jesus Christ, the resurrected Lord. And in fact, the, the apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians 1, somewhere around 17, 18, you know, he, 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 he says three things you've got to get a grip on. One is you've got to grip on the fact that it's his calling. It's not your calling. You want to yield to his cause. Secondly, you've got to get a grip on the fact that it's his inheritance. It's not your inheritance. You get everything that he gets, and you just share that in him. And thirdly, he said, you've got to get a grip on the fact that this resurrection power that worked in Jesus raised him above all principality, all power, all dominion, every name, that's name. Now, that terminology right there, principality, power, dominions, every name, that's name, man, the Apostle Paul drills down on this several places in the New Testament. He goes into it uh, in, in Ephesians, but he really, really hammers this in Colossians. Now, the, uh, the Gnostics, they have this concept of, of God. Okay, God's here kind of at the top of the pyramid. And then there the, there's what we would call emanations or aeons, eons. And, and each of these emanations get into okay you know the next the next step down from god would be maybe cherubim next step down from cherubim might be you know some other type of angel next step down from that would be the demons next step down from that would be you know satan and so you have all of these emanations between god and man so that god never actually has to dwell directly with man but when you get way down at the bottom of this list you got jesus and so gnosticism actually exalts demons, not just over Jesus as Lord, but Jesus as a man, exalts uh, uh, demons over the human race. Now, keep in mind, uh, in Psalm 8, as well as in the book of Hebrews, uh, it says, what is man that you're mindful of him, or the son of man that you consider him? And it goes on to say that we 
were never placed under angels. Now, this means that any kind of angel, good angel, bad angel, doesn't matter, any kind of angel has never, never, never had authority over us. And then it goes on uh, some verses later, and it says that actually angels were to be the servants of the heirs of salvation. So basically, the highest relationship that any type of angelic or heavenly being could ever have with a member of the human race is to be a servant to us. Now, now that Satan has fallen, and now that uh, you know the demons have fallen, then the real truth is they're just out-of-work servants. That's it. No authority whatsoever. But the question is, do you believe the truth about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus? Now, we talked about this already. I, I want to go into this again. I go into this a lot, by the way, in the audio series. And I want to encourage you, if you want to if you want to take a deeper dive into about 60 hours of audio teaching, which includes a lot of what I've done in the videos, but it includes a lot that's not in the videos. And uh, you know, a lot of people who are serious about being disciples, serious about investing in their life, they will get these. And besides the fact that you get to invest in your life, we use those financial resources to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And we don't have to go out with our hands held out begging all the time because we're creating our finances from those people who are disciples who want to invest in themselves and invest in the whole world. So check it out, download them tonight and get rolling if that's what you want to do. So anyhow, the moment, see, since Jesus became the son of man, then it would follow that, that if, if Satan had authority over man, he would have had authority over Jesus. If demons could have had authority over men, they could have had authority over Jesus. So like I said, well, some people will argue, well, yeah, but if you sin, if you do something wrong, then you are giving yourself over. No, the only way you can give yourself over to demons is to choose to give yourself over. When you choose to give yourself over to the wicked things that you think and the wicked temptations that you're drawn into, and when you choose to want their influence in your life, and you can get their influence in your life, but that's, that still doesn't mean they're taking away the authority. It still doesn't mean they have the right to that. It just means that you have colluded together with darkness and wickedness for this to happen in your life. But in the book of Colossians, um, Paul repeatedly, time and time again, uses this phrase about principalities, powers, uh, thrones, dominions, and all this kind of stuff. And they know very specifically what he's talking about. Sadly, we don't know the Bible well enough in this generation to understand what he is addressing here. But he's addressing there, anything that has been created. See, we don't realize that Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God the Father, they were all equally involved in creation. And the Bible says all things were created by him, all things were created for him, all things were created through him, and by him all things exist. I mean, I, I just can't even wrap my head around that. But like in Colossians 1.16, it says, For by him all things were created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. So basically what he's saying is, look, it doesn't matter what you think about the hierarchy of demons and all this kind of stuff. It, none of that really matters because if he is the one who created them, 
then he is the one who has dominion over them. The creation never has dominion over the creator. Colossians 2.15, such an incredible, incredible, incredible scripture that people just overlook all the time. Colossians 2.15 talks about Jesus having disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle over them, triumphing over them in it. Talking about over the, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them through his death, burial, and resurrection because they thought they'd killed him. They thought they'd gotten rid of him. They thought they'd finally won. And he came up out of the grave and there was no principality. There was no power. There was no throne. There was no dominion. There was no name. There was nothing in heaven or earth that could keep him from coming up out of that grave, being raised from the dead, ascending to heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father, receiving the inheritance of all things pertaining to the kingdom. And uh, nothing could stop it, which means if they couldn't stop him from raising, being raised from the dead, they can't stop him from anything else. And since we are in him, they can't touch us without going through him first. Now, let me say, if you waver in unbelief, if you think that they can do these things to you, and uh, you know you yield yourself to them, uh, yeah, you can, you can end up dead. You can end up in, in, in a real mess. But it's really interesting because, because he said he disarmed or completely stripped all principality and power. Now, the words principality and power have to do with authority, uh, which would be like rank, right, or strength, ability. So all rank, you know, people talk about how the devil's got this organized kingdom of ranks and that, and that. No, no, I don't. No, no, it's chaos. It is total, total chaos driven by fear. But it's really interesting because it says no matter, no matter what, no matter what the thrones were, no matter what the dominions, no matter what the powers, no matter what the principalities were, it says, it goes on to say that he disarmed them and he triumphed over them. Now, this word triumph in the Greek language talks about a triumphal procession. Now, when a, when a, a, a country would be having battles and they would win a battle they'd come back and they would have a they would have a parade they'd have a celebration but it wasn't a triumphal procession a triumphal procession did not take place until the other country had been totally overthrown and their king had been conquered now when they would conquer a king and this it, it, there's a lot of different ways it happened i'm just telling you one of the horrific ways that it happened so let's say that you live out here on the outskirts. You know, you don't live inside the walled city of a kingdom. And man, you're getting raided. Your village is getting burned down. Your food is getting sold. Your wife and daughters are getting raped. Your sons are getting drafted into, into fighting for these, you know, for these pagan armies or whatever. And so the king gathers up an army and he goes and totally annihilates their army and captures the king. Now, what your king wants to have happen is this. He wants you to recognize the victory that he has gained, and that's an absolute victory, so that, number one, you will not live in fear anymore, but number two, so that your allegiance will remain uh, absolute and, and unmovable to your king. And so, man, they would go out and blow the horns, they would gather all the people together, and, uh, and, and your king uh, might, they did it all different ways, sometimes they'd put them in cages or whatever. But he might actually 
take a rope and, and tie it to his horse and then tie the other end around the neck of that other king, of the enemy king. Now, one of the things they would often do is they would cut off that enemy king's thumbs and big toes, cut off the thumbs, so that he could never hold a weapon of war. He could never wield a, a sword or spear or any weapon of war. They'd cut off his big toes so that he couldn't really balance himself as all he could do to even stand up. And man, they would drag him through the streets. People would spit at him, on him, uh, you know, do it every vile thing that they could because your king wants you to know you have nothing to fear this has been an absolute and total and irrefutable victory and uh and so you got to live in that victory well sadly not everybody believes the biblical account of what happened at the resurrection particularly as it pertains to the devil and so uh, and so people today, believers, live under fear. You know, I've got a book called Satan Unmasked, powerful, powerful book. And one of the scriptures that I work with in that book is where, is where it talks about in the book of Isaiah. It says one of these days people are going to walk by and they're going to see Satan. And, and man, he's going to be stripped down and defeated. They're going to look and go, is this the one that we were so afraid of? Is this the one who kept us awake at night? Is this the one who we feared so much? that we surrender our loyalty to our king. And, and the thing is, you don't have to wait until then to see him as he is. You can see him as he is now by reading the scripture and particularly looking at the scripture that talks about the victory that Jesus provided over you. So when you go out into the world and you're ministering the word of God to people, I want you to understand the Holy Spirit that works in you has, is the one who has the power. Not, not Satan. Uh, Satan's a liar. He'll try to trick you. He'll try to fool you. And you have the authority. Satan doesn't have the authority. You can't give your authority to the devil. Like I say, you might give your allegiance to him. You might give your uh, uh, loyalty to him. You might even give him praise and worship, but you can't really give him your authority. You can just choose to yield to him. Or you may yield to him, not because you choose, just because you choose to, but not because you're afraid. You never really, really had the truth. So here's the deal. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. You have been baptized with the Holy Spirit. You have more authority than he has. You, the, the Holy Spirit has absolutely more power than he has. And I'm telling you what, the days of being afraid of the devil need to come to an end. And I'm telling you, if you're one of those people that's always fighting with and screaming at the devil, it's just time to say, no, that's foolishness. You know, the apostle Paul, he says, look, I don't fight like somebody that's beating the air, a shadow boxer. And when we're screaming at the devil, all that kind of stuff, that's really what we're doing because he is never the problem. It is the lust of our flesh that is the real problem. And through the lust of our flesh, like I say, we may choose to yield to him. We may choose to go to sin to figure out how we're going to get the gratification of the lust of our flesh. But I'm telling you something, it's not because he has authority. It's not because he has power. Holy Spirit in you and through you, the Bible says greater than he that is in this world. It doesn't matter what title he uses. It doesn't matter how he manifests himself in your presence. You know, one quick story I'll tell you, years ago, decades ago, uh, um, I was ministering to a Satanist high priest, and uh, 
So he got so angry one night, he decided he was going to come burn my house down. I really didn't know anything about it. And so one day I, you know, I got up, go outside and, uh, and start talking with my neighbors across the street. And he says, man, alive, do you hear that guy howling and screaming out here in your yard last night? I'm like, no, I didn't hear it. He said, oh yeah. He said, there was a guy and he had, uh, you know, a few gallons of gas with him and he was going to burn your house down. And after he walked onto your property, he collapsed and couldn't even get up. I had to drag him off of your property in order for him to even be able to stand upright on his feet. And you know what? He didn't burn my house up. I'm still here and you're still here. Go back and listen to this again. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.